Broadband, C-SPAN is the conversation. Broadband internet on C-SPAN two. American news. Chairman meeting. Congress. City. Government meeting. I think this is just seating. City meeting right now. Do not know the location of this meeting, to be honest. If it's in, in America, well, not. Uh, it's obviously in America, but I don't know where the location is. I cannot give it to you right at this time. So I'm sorry. Simington, 
What should the law and the regulations regarding space safety and spectrum coordination look like in order to promote competitive This is live, by the way. This is uh, this is a complicated question because uh, our sat our satellite spectrum allocation regime uh, looks back earlier days um, and is thus a, a sort of an unlicensed regime where there's a, an incentive to get the proposals out there as, as early as possible and then to amend them repeatedly, which uh, which leads to a, a process that can be very opaque, uh, spidery, and a little bit unpredictable. Three thirty one. Three thirty one. March 31st, 2022. Mark this down on your uh, calendar. If you are now watching it because uh, you're listening to it now. A lot of conversation will be around uh, the Earth and space and the Internet. Discussions with the NTIA. Do you believe the 
state will be able to successfully roll out broadband deployment to current supply chain infrastructure. Except that we have to monitor closely. Okay. All right. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I have more questions. I'll submit those for the record, and uh, I go back. I thank the gentleman. The gentleman yields back. Chair recognizes Ms. Rice for five minutes. You need to unmute, I believe. Ms. Rice, we can't hear you. If you can hear us, please unmute. Complications. We'll come back to her. Uh, Chair Bye, video. By video. Is what you just heard. Yes. The FCC doesn't just work in America, folks. Now, we know that Russia is known to uh, couple kinetic war 
uh, with uh, cyber attacks, including exploiting uh, uh, various hardware, software, protocol uh, level uh, vulnerabilities. Uh, I'm really pleased to see the FCC launch uh, an inquiry about strengthening the security of BGP. Uh, it's a critical internet theft uh, traffic routing uh, protocol, and uh, I think it's really very important, but it's an underappreciated uh, issue. Uh, so, uh, Madam Chairwoman, can you just briefly tell us about the issue and what the FCC is doing on BGP security? Well, thank you. I appreciate the question. Our effort to look at border gateway protocol came out of conversations we had with the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. We are coordinating more closely than ever, and they identified it, and we confirmed that it is an essential part of the Internet's global routing system, but there are significant vulnerabilities when traffic is exchanged between networks. So we started an inquiry to try to understand that better, ask questions about it, because we do not want to create uh, opportunities for theft or espionage at those connection points. And I, I do want to thank my colleagues. When I called them and discussed these issues with them and told them that it was serious and we needed to move in a fast manner, Great. all four of them did. Great. just want to squeeze something else in. To all of my colleagues, both sides of the aisle, we have an opportunity to address once and for all uh, the uh, next-gen 911. There are over 6,000 peace acts in the country in every community. This is an arm for law enforcement as well as health emergency in all of our communities. So uh, with the option, there will be money. And uh, I think that we need to all do this together uh, to make sure that once and for all, uh, that our peace acts are funded appropriately so that the emergencies in every single one of our communities uh, be addressed by next uh, and 911. With that, I yield back. General Lady yields back. The chair recognizes Mr. Long for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And uh, Chair, Chairwoman Rosen. There's a petition the FCC is considering that would allow a bureau to reinterpret words also did not seek comment on the actual rules making the affordable
Folks, the uh, FCC controls this app also. Um, at least a, a portion of every application has at least FCC ruling. I remember that. FCC is the one that uh, uh, puts the uh, um, censored uh, censorship. And that's the the it, that's what um it's the federal censorship community or. Yes, community, censorship communities, or whatever. And their job is uh, to um, keep things as clean as possible on the internet. And censorship. Uh, um, uh, stuff out there isn't isn't clean at all, and um, they do a pretty good job of it. But uh, stuff gets stuff gets through, um, especially if you uh, cuss a lot and. Um, 
into uh, the FCC controls basically not what you can say, but how you can say it without getting in trouble. And if you say something wrong, then the FCC gets involved sometimes. Thank you. 
decisions which can propel our nation into the next century by giving our children the ability to learn from anywhere, disrupting telecommunication strongholds by China, mm-hmm. life-saving treatments through telehealth or telemedicine, and making places like Carthage, Sanford, and West Barbecue, North Carolina, the epicenter of global commerce. In order to achieve this vision, we must win the global race to 5G. With auction authority set to expire in September, I ask you, Mr. Chairman, to continue working with members on this side of the aisle to produce a bill extending the FCC's authority. The upcoming 2.5 auction will connectivity in rural North Carolina. I didn't think... Um... C-SPAN would be very very educational, but it turned out to be the other way around. It is very educational, so it's seen in at times. And if you can't hear me or what the TV is saying, um, please feel free to turn your device up. Issues, be candid, 
will take time, but they take time because they're really important to the individual involved. Right. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and last question. In North Carolina, across the nation, small rural broadband providers are in some instances alone in servicing their communities. They don't have large staff to work on grant applications, other paperwork requirements. What steps does the FCC take to ensure that its regulations do not impose disproportionate burdens on smaller broadband providers? Uh, we always take steps to consider small providers in all of our proceedings. We recognize they may not have the resources needed to fully participate. And as you acknowledge when it comes to broadband, they may be companies and individuals we most need to deploy in some of our most remote locales. So we've got to be mindful of that in everything we do. Thank you very much. Mr. Chairman, uh, not as good as Billy, but I'll yield back to the floor, please. Thank you, gentlemen. Gentlemen, yield back. Uh, Chair Broad Broadband is also a... Thank you, Chair. Thank you to our uh, audience for being here. We just had... Phone service. Department of Education in and also a brand of uh, phone service and internet service. If anybody missed that, Again, this is live on C-SPAN. Right around the 350 mark is the channel. Um, I'm not really sure on what channel specifically, but it's on DirecTV right around the 350 mark. You hear about um, aeronautical uh, space station people talking about broadband and the service uh, 
up there as well. That's probably because the people down here that aren't, aren't working up in space are wondering about how uh, broadband and things are going on good or bad uh, up there and if you want to watch NASA it is 352 I believe on direct TV Yes, it is. Places in uh, South Carolina don't have spectrum or internet service. If you're living in South Carolina and don't have internet service, that's probably why. Because it hasn't made it to the area which you live in. Rosenworth will uh, turn into oversight 
uh, Congress created a $7 billion emergency connectivity fund. We talked about that schools and libraries stay connected to their students during the COVID-19 pandemic. has distributed over 5 million connected devices. My concern is that does the FCC have a system in place that has kept track of where these devices went after they were sent to the schools and libraries? And what safeguards are currently in place to make sure that the devices uh, purchased through the emergency connectivity fund are not duplicated across other programs? It's absolutely imperative that we prevent waste, fraud, and abuse in this program and any other program, but I'd love to follow up with you with, with more specifics, make sure that I give you precisely the rules that apply to this program and not some of the other ones that I have in my head at this moment right now. So we'll follow up with you on that. We'll look forward to that. Okay. Because I think we agree. We we have too few resources to waste. Glass also back in school in the classroom. Chairwoman uh, Rosenwistle, a uh, final question is, um, I want to follow up on an answer you gave to Leader Rogers' question earlier about weight regulations. I just want to make sure that there aren't any hidden asterisks in your statement when you say no rate regulation, are you including within that a commitment not to apply Section 201 and 202's just and reasonable provisions to broadband rates, even before or after the fact? There's no asterisk. No asterisk. Glad to hear that. And uh, Mr. Chair, Chairman, I'm going to return 56 seconds. Wow. I'll tell you, as the ranking our side looks at it. I thank the gentleman for yielding back. Uh, chair recognizes Mr. Butterfield, I think. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Can I have 56 seconds to my time? Yeah. Uh, no, you may not. Request is denied. But thank you, Mr. Chairman, for convening this very important hearing today. And thank you to
If you don't understand what the internet is, and if you don't understand how to get on the computer, maybe you're too old. If you need help getting on the internet, um, I'm pretty sure there's somebody right down that can help you. The internet can help pregnant people too. Obviously. Apparently, that. Apparently. It can help non pregnant and pregnant people. And just people in general. But. It's all in what you served and. All in what you want to see. This is the first oversight hearing today of this month. They come 
and uh, talk about things that need to be overseen. Now, overlooked, folks. Overlooked is something different, but overseen. What uh, you are hearing now can help 17-year-olds, 23-year-olds, 22-year-olds, 60-year-olds, all age ranges, 50 to 60-year-olds, 60 to 70-year-olds, and or 30 to 40 year olds or one to 10 year olds 10 to 15 year olds too there are five year olds now that are on the internet Crazy, right? Thanks to Broadvan. Broad. Van. The uh, internet service. Sorry about that. Um, Spectrum also has phone capability. The 5G 
This is the fifth generation phone spectrum and broadband could be on there. Broadband. I shouldn't say broadband, not broad van, but. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, for having this hearing today, and I want to welcome the commissioners and especially congratulate uh, Chairman Rosenworth. Um, and I also want to say it sounds like you're having a productive, uh, you know, before you even got to this point now today, so you were done productive work already. Uh, I have a question regarding the Seaver standards. Um, for a recent dispute have highlighted the importance of spectrum governance and coordination. It also reinforces the need to take a medieval look at the hindering the more intensive use of airwaves. I know the FCC will be examining this important issue soon. I'm also working on draft legislation that I believe can complement this effort by ensuring the federal government is applying outdated or inefficient technology. Can you describe the relationship between federal receivers and the spectrum pipeline? And do you think legislation addressing federal receiver supply could complement the FCC's work? Thank you uh, for the question and your interest in spectrum policy generally. Uh, traditionally, we have had discussions about fixed transmission when it comes to spectrum. But if we want to be efficient, we also have to think about the other end. We have to think about receiving. For that reason, working with Commissioner Symington, we have a notice of inquiry we'll consider next month on this subject. But I think what you're raising in legislation is really important. Making spectrum uh, receiver efficiency part of purchasing the market for receiver equipment because government purchases at a greater scale than anyone else. I think that that was a subject of an old executive order, and it's an idea we need to revisit right now. Okay, thank you. Ms. Um, Simon, do you have a comment? Uh, yes, I, I just want to, uh, uh, to express my appreciation for your work on the proposed Spectrum Coexistence Act. Um, I've, uh, frankly, I've, I've heard it quietly said by people at the major executive branch agencies that focus on spectral efficiency in terms of agency and government procurement is exactly how that improves the relationships with the FCC. Okay, thank you. Um, a reliable pipeline of valuable mid-band spectrum is a fundamental part of keeping the U.S. ahead of the race to the next generation of To help keep our pipeline robust and predictable, I recently called on NCI Administrator Davidson to finish the 2019 study on the 7 gigahertz band. Chairwoman Rosenwasser, you recently highlighted the importance of spectrum in the 7 to 15 gigahertz range for 6 6G. How would completion of the study help industry prepare for the future, and can you describe its potential for commercial use? Yeah, thank you. So we're already going there. We're talking about 6G, and it feels early, but there are other nations that are already doing this, so I think we should start targeting some airwaves. 
Mobile World Congress, I mentioned, as you suggested, that spectrum between the uh, 7 and 15 gigahertz bands should be our target. So that NTIA study you mentioned, that I believe is ongoing, is really important. Thank you very much. Um, the uh, commercials you see on television is what they're speaking of now. And uh, phone and internet service. Broadband, broadband internet service. Phones and accessibility. Is what people are talking about on C-SPAN. This is a meeting live meeting. Continued use of automatic frequency coordination so that we have dynamic 
real-time information about when airwaves are available and when they're not. Um, I believe India uh, in a lot of different countries use spectrum. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. There's always progress to be made everywhere, folks. Folks that are currently enrolling, and so uh, 
the last thing that I would say is there obviously, when you're talking about Joe Biden's seniors, uh, particularly issues of digital literacy come into play, making sure that seniors have the confidence uh, in both setting up and using their internet connection is going to be a big part of that success program. Thank you so much. And it's the cutest thing watching seniors do uh, try to understand the internet. It's the cutest thing. I tell you that much right now. <laughs> what, honey boy? Oh, you were just trying to ask home? I've never used a computer at all. Make sure that local jurisdictions that are interested in expanding critical broadband. 
Can you talk a little bit more about um, your your approach and strategy and why you think that helps us uh, move forward in consulting deployment? Sure. You know, there are two things I know to be true here. First, that we have a massive infrastructure project underway in the United States right now to bring high-speed broadband to everyone everywhere. And the second thing I know to be true is that we have a tradition of local control in the United States. We've got a Tenth Amendment, and we've got people who want to have a say in what's happening in their own backyard. So we've got to figure out how to manage both of those two realities at the same time. And I think what you're describing is spot on. We should make sure that we, when we are developing programs with federal funds, we condition those funds on having a reasonable and streamlined process for things like permitting and rights away. And if we do that, we will both be able to build out this infrastructure and honor that tradition of local control and do it in a reasonably speedy way. I think that is a win-win across the board. So I very much appreciate the approach you just described and would be happy to work with you on it further. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I very much look forward to the opportunity to do that. Um, and with the minute or so I have left, I also just want to touch on, on the theme of resiliency for our communication network. Um, in recent years in my district in Houston, we have seen many types of disasters from the winter freeze that um, everyone observed last year to three, five hundred year floods two years in a row, knocked out power and other communication access. Um, so I would love to get your thoughts and input on how we Well, we have an outstanding proceeding on just that. Uh, we have an outstanding proceeding just on that issue, and it was the byproduct of a trip that Commissioner Carr and I took after Hurricane Ida. We're looking at updating the wireless cooperative resiliency framework. We're looking at making sure that first responders and public safety authorities get timely notice of outages. And we're looking at improvements we can make for coordination. Mr. Pence. Is who's speaking right now? I'm not sure if that's uh, former Vice pre Vice President Um's father or not but his name is George Pence. Probably uh not but looks just like him. Just a little bit older. Mm. 
on the um, committee. Of uh, I encourage the commission to find ways to share expertise with relevant agencies to alleviate delays in the broadband management so that federal funding can reflect the needs of U.S. sessions. Madam Chairwoman, I was pleased to see my bill, the Broadband Interagency Coordination Act, signed into law in 2020. I AT&T is one of them, too. Rural America wired. So thank you. Thank you for that. 
Uh, congratulations uh, on the now chairwoman, uh, Rosen Russell. Uh, I want to ask you about 911. Our colleague, Anna Escher, has been a huge champion of modernizing 911. And one of the challenges we have in Vermont is we've got these antiquated systems. You know, people are in back rooms and uh, there's bubble gum <laughs> on the chair. You know, it's just, and we need it. It's got to work, but we need some funds. And we've got a spectrum now, and we're going to be considering reauthorizing it. And I think Anna's, uh, 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 Congresswoman Eshoo's thought was maybe we could use some of that money, not just to go back to the Treasury, but to upgrade the 911 services that we have around the, the country, and again, all of our districts. Uh, I'd ask you to comment on that. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. It's, I think it's an important idea. I think you have an opportunity to make history. We've got more than 6,000 911 call centers all across this country. You know, the odds are you might only call them once in your life, but it will be the most important call you ever make. And many of those centers I've, are not I've, I've made a couple 911 calls on for my health. And they've helped me a lot, so yeah. Setting up a nationwide fund to update 911. I think that is within this committee's power, and it would be a great thing to do. Yeah, well, I hope our, the commissioner, you'll have a discussion on that. That certainly would be helpful to Vermont. I think it is also great to update what they're doing. And, um, as a matter of fact, I'd like to put in a, uh, notice that, um, most doctors and most EMS services need more schooling than they've already gotten and this is just my thoughts um because there are a few people that don't are um not not smart because they are smart. But some states are um, working on older information and older uh, medical use. So yes. I think that uh, 911 should be updated and people should uh, be um, able to uh, go back to school as needed, but I hope it's... Uh, Mandated that people go back to school even when they don't need it. We've rolled out some questions. Every time we roll out a new 
because if you're in the in the medical field, you don't you don't know what things will change, and uh, unless you go to school and learn. And I think medical schooling is the most positive schooling that you can have. Unfortunately, we've already seen it. Um, we've already seen it happen. The FCC Inspector General recently detected fraud in the Emergency Broadband Benefit Program. What, what were the OIG findings in that? Can you go over that for me very quickly? Sure. Uh, we had to get this program up and running in 60 days. And you also, I think, you know, in the smart effort, asked the Inspector General to take a close look at it. Because you get a program up and running fast, you got to make sure there are no loopholes. And identify the loophole, which is that we had a streamlined process for registering households that have children in community-eligible participation schools with high numbers of kids on the free and reduced lunch program. And immediately upon learning that, we shut down our portal for collecting that uh, those applications. We added additional Thank you. 
we have rules in place, we will monitor it over time. I understand what you're saying. We don't, we don't have infinite resources. We want to reach as many people as possible with these new programs. And uh, that's why we have a rule to that effect, but it's something we'll certainly monitor over time for the reasons you described. Good. Commissioner Carlin and Ian Woodbridge, even before the pandemic, the broadband providers um, had programs to assist low-income customers get or stay connected to the internet. Since then, these programs have been expanded do you remember when you had AOL? They're talking about broadband now being the next AOL. Trying to be faster and more efficient than AOL. Happy April Fool's, everyone. But this is not a joke. If you're listening to C-SPAN meeting. And I am recording. My name is Raymond Hunt. I am the host of the Truth News podcast. Thanks for being with me. And hope you learned something.
I will commit to working with you on that. And then I want to emphasize that this needs to be a priority for the agency. These stakeholders need clarity, and I urge the FTC to do all it can to enable the deployment of CV2X faster. I will continue to push to ensure that we're addressing this issue with the urgency that it demands. in the lower 45 megahertz will not interfere with the IPS's use of the upper 30 uh, megahertz in the band. I should point out that this is the subject of ongoing litigation in the DC circuit. There are some auto interests that have uh, taken the decision from 2020 to court to hash this out in front of a judge. So that is ongoing right now. But I have confidence in the engineering work of the FCC that was done before I took over the agency that suggested that there is no reason to be concerned for interference. We are going to accommodate and expand both auto safety interests and unlicensed interests. Thank, thank you. I just want to say it's vital that we're developing forward-thinking policy to support the law of this cutting-edge life-safe technology such as V2X. I want to prepare to work with you to fulfill those rights. Thank you very much. I yield. Hello, everyone. And uh, we just have two more witnesses, or two more members, and hopefully we can maybe get this so we don't have to recess for just one more person. Mr. Joyce, you have five minutes, but if you don't want to use it all, that would be great. Uh, thank you to my fellow Pennsylvanian Chairman Doyle and Ranking Member Lada for allowing me to wave on to this hearing. We'll see. They let broadband through. Exactly.
believe those questions are up to them and whatever authority you ultimately provided to them in the infrastructure bill. I do not support the NPIA imposing open access or price regulation as a condition for grant funding. I think that opens it up to so many areas of disqualification. Now, changing subjects, it's clear that the American consumers rely heavily on wireless. And we see it. We see it in use of mobile phones, Wi-Fi, and increasingly connected devices like thermostats and door locks. With this demand for wireless services, how are each of you looking at the need for spectrum strategy that includes a balance of lights and of licensed and unlicensed spectrum? And first, I'll ask Commissioner Paul. Well, thank you. This was uh, a year ago. I put forward a spectrum calendar with, with, with bands I thought we'd get done that year, this year, and next year. For instance, in that, I included 3.45 gigahertz, which is done, uh, 2.5 gigahertz, uh, which hopefully we're doing soon, uh, 6 gigahertz, I think we could look to authorize uh, variable power devices as well as client-to-client device communications. We can comment on increasing power in 3.5 gigahertz. guys, is um, as much power in... Gigs are the uh, power of the computer and phone, gigabytes and gigahertz. That is in uh, response to a computer and phone.
Most uh, restaurants and fast food chains do have internet uh, capability. So that's why she says that. Here's the vote now. Actually, the vote did not happen. Uh, it, w- it was actually almost like a court hearing for um, phone service and, and in- internet service. So, when the vote comes in... I'll let you know.
with Pennsylvania Republican Congressman Lloyd Trucker and Wisconsin Democratic Congressman Mark Pokemon. Watch Washington Journal. That's coming up this morning. On C-SPAN, or C-SPAN now, our free mobile app. Join the conversation. It's 7 a.m. Text messages and tweets. American History TV. Saturdays on the Exploring the people and events that tell the American story. At 12.15 p.m. Eastern, historian Christopher McKnight Nichols looks back to learn from the 1918-19 influenza pandemic. As 2022 America continues to deal with COVID-19 and pandemic fatigue, virus surges, rising infections, and new protective This is true. experienced a century ago. And at 2 p.m. Eastern, on the presidency, part five of our eight-part series, First Ladies, in their own words. We'll look at the role of the First Lady their time at the White House, and the issues important to them. This week, we'll feature Hillary Clinton. I think that the standards of the summit, okay. the expectations and the demands have changed, and 